Shalom to all. Today's office bubble comment off pay test. So we're starting about the ninth line with the words Amr Abaye. And today's office sponsor, Lila Nishmas, Marsh Merim Sarabas, Biakov Moshe, her Neshama should have an Aliyah. And Lila Nishmas, Rechmil Mardachai, Ben Rabchayim, his Neshama should have an Aliyah. Now, at the end of the previous Gemara, we had quoted a Bryce which mentioned the Tevis Hana of a woman's Ksuba. And we had explained this referring to the minimal amount that a woman could sell the rights to her Ksuba for. And eventuality, their husband dies first, the buyer gets her Ksuba. But if she dies first, the buyer loses out on his money because the husband keeps the Ksuba by inheriting his wife. Now, this was said in the context of Adam Zayman saying that she was divorced and that she got her ksuba, and it turns out that she really was living with her husband, meaning that she wasn't divorced, and we had said that they only have to pay for the Tevesana of her ksuba and not for her full ksuba. So Amar Bayabai says, Tevesana, Helva Asaliyadon, once this concept of Tevesana came to us, Neum Bamilsa, let's say something about it, Tevesana, Isha Hava, the money that's being paid for this Tevesana, that goes to the wife. If you want to say that it goes to the husband, why don't the Adam Zayman just tell her, what do we cause you to lose out on? Even if we would have sold the ksuba for the Tevis Hanah, the husband would have taken that money from you, and we really are not trying to get you to lose out on anything, so technically the Adam Zayman wouldn't have to pay anything. And by the fact that we see that the Adam Zayman do have to pay for the Tevis Hanah, it must be that the Tevis Hanah goes to her. However, Amar Salman of Salman says, that's not a raya, that's because there is revach besa. Even if the money would go to the husband and not to her, there's still more money around in the house, and that makes it more gishmak for the woman, because her husband has more money now, and therefore that's not a raya, the Tevis Hanah goes to her, because it's possible that it goes to him. And Amar Rav Rava says, that the Tevis Hanah is to the wife, and the husband does not eat the Paris of it. Meaning, we don't tell her that she has to take this money, the Tevis Hanah, buy property with it, and that the husband gets to eat the Paris of that property, as if it was Nechse Melog. And my time, why is that? Because Paris, the Kinnulay Rabbanon, the Rabbanon were matakin that the husband gets Paris of her property, but Paris, the Paris, like the Kinnulay Rabbanon. The Rabbanon were not matakin that he gets Paris of Paris, and this money of the Tevis Hanah is considered Paris, and we're not machaiver to buy property with it so that he could get the pay rise of that property because that would be pay rise of pay rise. Now we go back to discussing Takanus Usha. Remember we had said yesterday that Takanus Usha was a Takana made by Usha, which is the Sanhedrin when they were stationed in Usha, that if a woman sells her Nechse Melug when her husband's still alive, the husband can take them away from the Lukuchais. Now the Gemara tells us, Kiyosra of Papa Rav Huna Breder Yeshua and Beirav, when our Papa Rav Huna Breder Yeshua came from Beirav, Amri they said, Tanilo Takanus Usha, we learned about Takanus Usha in our Mishnah. What does the Mishnah say? Encountering Evid or Isha is not good. And why is that? Because if someone damages them, he's chayiv. If him to him. But if they damage somebody else, they're potter. And that's because they don't have any money to pay with. Because all the money that Evid has is really owned by his master, and all the money that a woman has is owned by her husband. She doesn't have any money of her own to pay. Now here's Raya Misak that Usha. If you want to say that we don't hold it to Khanus Usha, well Why don't we say that she has to sell her nechsimulog and then use that money to pay for the damages that she caused? The Gemara says, Well, according to you, nay now the Usha, even if you want to say that we hold it to Usha, and that means that she can't completely sell her nechse mulug. Still, she should be forced to sell her nechse mulug for the tevis hana. Namely, if her husband dies first or divorces her, then her nechse mulug will go to this fellow, and she would have to use that money to pay that person whom she damaged. Ella, why doesn't the Mishnah say that? Because it must be the Lesla that we're talking about that she doesn't have nechse mulug, so we can't tell her to sell it for tevis hana. So to over here, the Lesla we're talking about where she doesn't have nechse mulug. The Gemara team is asking, why doesn't she sell her ksuba for tevis hana and use that money to pay the person whom she damaged. Meaning, putting Nechse Melug to the side, just her regular Ksuba, the 100 that she would be getting if she was an Almana, or the 200 she'd be getting if she was a Vesula, let her sell that, Betavis Hana, and again, use that money to pay the person who she damaged. So the Gemara answers, Hamani Rav Meir, he, this is Rav Meir, the Amr, who says, that it's also for a person to live even for one moment with his wife if she doesn't have a Ksuba. So she can't sell her Ksuba, because that means he's living with her without a Ksuba. The Gemara says, that's not valid because of the time of my, what's Rav Meir's reasoning that a man is not allowed to live with his wife for even one moment if she doesn't have a Ksuba. That's 
So it's not easy for him to divorce her if he doesn't have to pay her ksuba. So he's just going to get rid of her if she burns the chicken or brings dinner late. Or as over here, if she sells her ksuba for the Tavis Hana in order to pay for damages that she caused, he's not going to divorce her. The If he does divorce her, this fellow that bought it from her is going to come along and is going to collect the ksuba from the husband. So that's not a valid reason to say that she shouldn't have to sell her ksuba for the Tavis Hana in order to pay the person that she damaged. Ella must be, why doesn't she have to sell it? Because Tavis Hana, the Tavis Hana of her ksuba is just considered words. And these words of Tevis Hana is not Meshubah to the person whom she damaged that she would now have to sell it to pay him. Ask the Gemara, why not? These are, so to speak, words, but they're able to be sold for dinarim. Because even though the whole concept of Tevis Hana is technically just words, if she dies first, something happens. If he dies first or divorces her, something else happens. But still, it could be sold for real money, so she should have to sell for money. So it should be Meshubah to the person whom she damaged, and Mamela, she should have to sell it. Al rather, the Gemara answers Meshub to Shmuel. The reason why she doesn't have to sell her Ksuba for Tevis Hana to pay for the damages is because of Shmuel. Tomer Shmuel, Shmuel says, If a person sells a Shtar Chayv to his friend, meaning if Reuven has a Shtar Chayv saying that Shimon owes him $100, and Reuven sells that Shtar Chayv to Levi, so Levi could collect it. And then Reuven went and was Michael it, telling Shimon, you know what, you don't have to pay me that money. Machol, it's 100% Machol, and even Reuven's Yerush could be Michael that, and that causes Levi to lose out. Even though Levi paid for the rights to collect the Shtar Chayv, Reuven has ability to Michael it. And the same thing over here, if we're going to say the woman's going to sell her Ksuba for Tevis Hana to pay for the damages, she then might be Michael to her husband, causing the fellow who bought it from her to lose out. However, I mean, they said, what's the big deal? Zvune Zavin, let her sell her super for Tavis Hana, and she'll take that money and pay the person whom she damaged, and you're right, if she ends up being Michael to her husband, so she'll be Michael okay, and that means that the fellow who bought it from her lost out, but at least the fellow whom she damaged got paid for those damages. So I mean, they answered, no, we're not going to make her sell it, because anything that has to do with her and her husband, she's for sure going to be Michael it, and to cause a loss for the fellow that bought this with our own hands, we're not going to cause this loss. In other words, it's not that maybe she's going to be Michael the Ksuba to her husband after she sold it for Tevis Hana to pay for the damages that she caused. We're saying that for sure she's going to be Michael to the husband. And that means that Bezin is getting involved in a situation that they know 100% they're going to end up causing a loss for the fellow who bought her Ksuba for Tevis Hana and they're not going to get involved in that. And if you want to suggest, continues the Gemara, that she should sell it to the one whom she damaged for the Tavis Hana. In other words, let's say Tavis Hana is $10 and she damages fellow $10 worth. So she should basically give her ksuba to the fellow whom she damaged as payment for the damages. Now if she's Michael the ksuba to her husband, he's not losing out on anything. Because now she's not giving him anything. It's not like he paid something and she gave him something and now he's losing out on something. In other words, even if she's going to be Michael to the husband, it's not like the fellow who was damaged is worse off than before. Before she wasn't able to pay him anything. And even now, she gave him her ksuba for Tavis Hana, and still, he's not going to end up receiving anything, so it's not such a big deal. And the reason why we would benefit in this situation is because on the chance that she's not Michael to her husband, and he dies first or divorces her, so then the fellow whom she damaged would get his payment. However, this is also not a good suggestion, says the Gemara, because Saif Saif, at the end of the day, as we just said before, when it has to do with her and her husband, she's for sure going to be Michael it. And the Bezin is not going to get involved in something for no purpose. There's no reason for the Bezin to tell her that she has to 
give her ksuba to the person whom she damaged for payment for the damages because maybe her husband's going to die or divorce her and then that fellow's going to be able to collect the damages because this entire thing's a waste of time. She's just going to end up being Michael the ksuba to her husband and there's no reason for Bezin to get involved in this. And therefore, if a woman damages somebody, we have no way to force her to pay because she technically doesn't have any money to be able to pay with. And that's understanding the mission that says that if a person meets up with a woman and damages her, because there's no way that she's going to pay him. However, the Gemara continues, what about what it says in the Braissa? If she damaged her husband himself, she doesn't lose out on her ksuba. Now, am I? Why wouldn't she lose out? Why doesn't she sell her ksuba to her husband for the for this damage? Meaning she damaged her husband, she technically owes her husband money, she doesn't have money to pay, and the way she would be able to pay him is by, so to speak, selling him her ksuba for the Namely, that if he divorces her or dies, he doesn't have to pay her. Because in this situation, if she decides to be Michael to her husband, like Abseda, there's no loss to her husband. So my answer is no. This brass is for sure according to Rav Meir. The Amaru says, It's also for a person to live, even for a moment, with his wife without a ksuba. And in this situation, it's considered like she doesn't have a ksuba. So my says, no, that's still not a valid enough reason. Because the time of my, what's a reason of Meir that a husband and wife are not to live without a ksuba? So that's not going to be easy for him to divorce her because he knows he's going to have to pay out the ksuba. But over here, even if you want to say that the wife does not have to give her husband her ksuba because of the damage that she caused. Still, Megarishla, he's just going to divorce her, and then collect that ksuba that he just paid her for the chavala that she caused. Now, the Gemara repeats itself, and there's actually some Gersais that take this out. So, to over here, Megarishla, he's going to divorce her, and then collect the ksuba from her because of the damage. So, back to our question when a wife damages her husband, why don't we say that she has to, so to speak, sell her ksuba to him? In other words, she has to waive the rights to her ksuba because of the damage that she caused him. So, Gemara answers, what's the price of talking about? Where her ksuba is worth a lot of money. What does that mean? It's worth a lot of money. So over here we're understanding the husband added onto her ksuba. This is called tesefes ksuba. We have the regular base payment of one hundred to an almana or two hundred to a basula, and a husband could add on and say that he's going to give her way more than that. And that's what we're referring to over here. And to be shumahu purta because of that little bit amount that he's going to receive because of the damage that she caused to him. Lemafsetuva. He's not going to lose that on a lot because she damaged him a little bit. If he ends up divorcing her in order to be able to collect these damages, he's going to end up having to pay her way more for her ksuba than the actual damage caused, and he's not going to end up doing that. As a more of Eden of Ksuba if you want to say that her Ksuba, meaning the Tesefes Ksuba, what he had added on, is way more than the Ksuba Dairaisa, the base payment of 100 or 200, so Nukma Ksuba Dairaisa, why don't we just set her with the Ksuba Dairaisa, meaning that she still gets the 100 or 200 that are coming to her, and the rest of the Ksuba, meaning the Tesefes Ksuba, should be sold to him, so to speak, because of the damages that she caused. So my answer is, really we're talking about where Tesefes Ksuba is not more than the Ksuba Dairaisa, and we're just talking about a situation where she has regular Ksuba, however, the damages caused to him were way less than the regular Ksuba. For example, the Havachavle Arbazuze, the damage caused to him was only four Zuz. The Mishim Arbazuze, because of the four Zuz that she owes him, he's not going to lose out on 25. What's 25? 25 is referring to Slaim, and if we translate that into Dinarim or Zuzim, that's referring to 100 Zuzim. In other words, we're talking about the smaller payment of the Ksuba of an Almana, which is 100, and what the Gemara is saying is that she only damaged him four Zuz worth. In order to collect that four Zuz, he's not going to divorce her, pay her out the hundred for Aksuba just to have her give him back four Zuz. And that's not worthwhile for him. Ask Gemara El Hadatanya, what about the following Brysa, which is really a continuation of this Brysa that we've been discussing? Kashem Shalitim Karvitachtov, just like she can't sell the Ksuba when she's under him, Kachlitavsivitachtov, so too she can't lose out when she's under him. Sometimes it will turn out that she will lose out. What's that case? It's where the Taisefis Ksuba is more than the Ksuba Dairaisa, and then she would end up losing out because we would say that she would have to give up on her Taisefes Ksuba in order to pay for the injury that she caused her husband. So how do 
we understand the second part of the Brisa? So Marava, Rava answers, Seifas on the Ksubas Benin Dechrin. The Seifas talking about something totally different is talking about the Ksubas Benin Dechrin. Now, what is a Ksubas Benin Dechrin? So let's take a case where a man is married to two women, Rachel and Leah. And Rachel's Ksuba is more than Leah's Ksuba. And both Rachel and Leah die in their husband's lifetime, which means that he, so to speak, inherits their Ksuba. And then this husband dies. So all of his children, the ones from Rachel and Leah, will inherit him. However, the Ksuba that was originally designated to Rachel goes to her children. And the Ksuba that was originally designated to Leah goes to her children. And that's not part of the regular Yerusha. That's what Ksuba's Menendichrin is. It literally means the Ksuba of the male children. And that's what the second part of the rise is talking about. Vachikitani, this is what it's telling us. The same way that if during her lifetime she sells her Ksuba to other people and then she dies, which means her husband Yashin's her Ksuba, still there's no loss of Ksuba's Menendichrin over there, which means when her husband subsequently dies, her children do get her Ksuba. My time of why is that? Because Zuzi Hudan Sua, it was money that forced her to sell it. In other words, she was in a difficult financial situation, and that's the only reason why she sold the Ksuba when she was still alive, and she was only selling the right to her Ksuba if her husband died or divorced her. But in the eventuality that she died first, she was not giving up on the right that her male children would inherit her Ksuba. So Kachso to over here, even if she sells her Ksuba to her husband, that's what our Bryce is talking about, in the eventuality that she damages him, the Bryce is saying that she doesn't lose out on her Ksuba's and then when her husband dies, the Ksuba does go to her children. And my time, why is that? Same reason, is because she was forced to do so because of money and not for any other reason, but again, not because she's giving up rights to the Ksubas Ben Indichrin. So that's the explanation of this Brisa. Now going back to discuss the Kanas Usha. Let's say the whole concept of the Kanas Usha is really Machlakis Tanaim. The Tanikhad that we have one Brisa that teaches, Avdi Mulug Yatsim Shane Vaayan Leisha, Avaloy Leish. Then her Avdi Mulug go out with Shane and Ayan for her, meaning if she knocks it out, but not for the man. What's Avdi Mulug? So this is like regular property, which is considered Mulug. She brought these Avadim into the marriage. She retains the Evid himself. It's considered her property, but her husband has the rights to the Paris of the Eved, meaning he can use the Eved for work, but again, it's not his Eved. The first passage we just quoted tells us that if she knocks out the tooth or eye of her Eved, then the Eved's going to go free, like a standard Eved, but if he knocks out the tooth and eye of her Eved, the Eved would not go free. But another passage says, that it doesn't make a difference if the man or even if the woman knocked out this Eved's tooth or eye, the Eved would not go free. So now we have to understand this. So Zavrua, they thought originally, that everyone holds that having rights to the Paris of something is not considered like owning the thing itself. And therefore, even though the husband has the rights to use the Eved, he still doesn't own the Eved himself. Now, so what's Machlekes over here? The man according to man the first bride saw that if the woman knocks out the tooth of the eye, the Eved, he goes free. Lastly, the Kanus Usha. That man doesn't hold the Kanus Usha. And therefore, the Eved is considered the woman's to the extent that she could actually sell him in the lifetime of her husband, and the husband would not be able to take that Eved away from the Lekeach. And again, that's why the Eved would go free, because it's considered 100% the woman's. According to man that this Eved would not go free, whether his tooth or eye was knocked out by the husband or even the wife, is like the Kanus Usha. He holds it the Kanus Usha. And therefore, since the wife is not allowed to sell the Eved, it's not considered like it's her Eved completely. And therefore, if she knocks out the tooth or eye, the Eved doesn't go free. And the husband doesn't own the Eved either because he only has the rights to the pairs of the Eved, but not to the good for the Eved. And that's why when he knocks out the tooth or eye, the Eved doesn't go free in that case as well. So it seems to be that we have Machlekes Tanaim, whether or not we hold it the Kanus Usha. So Gemara says, like, that's not true. The Kuliyama is with the Kanus Usha. Really, we could say that everybody holds it the Kanus Usha. Or rather, how do we explain the seeming Machlekes between Brises? Kan the first price that says the Eved would go free if the wife knocks out the tooth or eye, that's talking about before the Kanusha. The second price is talking about after the Kanusha. Alternatively, we could say both of these prices are discussing after the Kanusha, basically the Kanusha, and everyone holds the Kanusha. So then what about the Mandarma, the first price saw that if the wife knocks out the eye or the tooth of the Eved, he would go free, but not if the husband does. How do we understand this? This is like Rava. Rava says, Hector, Shamas, Shekhar, Mafkin, Midesh, Shibod, to be Maktish something, Chametz, or free. 
bring an Eved, that's mafkia shibud that somebody has on it. For example, if Reuven has a shibud on something that Shimon owns and then Shimon is makdashit, so that's mafkia the shibud from Reuven. Or if it's chametz and it becomes Pesach and it becomes Asr that's mafkia the shibud. And over here as well, shikhr. If Reuven has a shibud on Shimon's Eved and then Shimon frees his Eved, so Reuven loses that on the shibud. And so over here, even though the husband has a shibud on his wife's Eved because he has the rights to the pay rise, if she frees the Eved by knocking out his higher tooth, the Eved would go free. And this is even with the Kanazusha. So when I suggest laying with Rava Tanahi, let's say this member of Rava that Hektish Chametz Shikhr Mafkim Dei Shibud is Machlekes Hanaim, because we just use it to explain the first Brisa why when the wife knocks out the tooth or eye of the Eved, he goes free. But the second Brisa says that if the wife knocks out the tooth or eye of the Eved, he doesn't go free. So it seems to be the Mandamar, the second Brisa doesn't hold this member of Rava. Clearly, this member of Rava is Machlekes Hanaim. So Gemara says no. The Kuliyama is Luhu Rava. Really, everybody holds of this din of Rava. But over here in the second Brisa, the Tana holds Al Mur Rabbanon Shibud Debal that Rabbanon strengthen the Shibud that the husband has on his wife's Eved. That even if the wife frees her Eved, it's not Mafki the Shibud that the husband has. But the Tana still holds of Rava's din that in a different situation, like the one that we mentioned, that if Ruvain has a Shibud on Shimon's Eved and Shimon frees his Eved, it would be considered free. V by Sam. Alternatively, we have a third answer of how there's no steer between Brises. None of these Tanaim hold of the Kanas Usha. Over here, the Manda Amram of the Brises are arguing this concept of Kenyan Paris, Kenyan Aguf. Originally, when we first brought the Brises, we wanted to suggest that everyone holds Kenyan Paris is Lav Kenyan Aguf. And that's how we want to say that they were arguing in Takanas Usha. Now we're being Chaiser from that. We're saying that actually the Machlaikas is whether or not Kenyan Paris is Kenyan Aguf. The Manda on the first Brises holds Kenyan Paris is Lav Kenyan Aguf. And therefore, even though the husband has rights to the Paris of the Eved, it's not like he owns the Eved himself. And that's why the wife knocks out the tooth or eye of the Eved, he goes free. Whereas the Mandarma, the second Brisa holds that Kenyan Paris is Kikin Oguf, and that's why even when the wife knocks out the tooth or eye of the Eved, he doesn't go free because it's considered like the husband owns the Eved. Now we're going to stop here for the day, which is somewhat in the middle of the sugya, and pick up tomorrow continuing to discuss this concept of Kenyan Paris, Kikin Oguf, Dami. But for now, everyone should have a wonderful day.